0: Welcome to Got Punctum, a podcast exploring visual culture, creative practice, and the photo book making process. Here, I interview contemporary photographers, critics, and curators. We are changing up how we present material. Now, I'm bringing them to you in one-to-one conversations. They are always candid and unscripted and come with hyperlinked resources available on our episode notes and on my website, jsybillasmith.com, under the In Conversation tab in navigation. Today, I'm very excited to bring you my conversation with Vince Aletti about his private diary of fascination, The Drawer. His latest book, published by self Publish Be Happy, is a chronology of free association in collage form. It provides a visual playlist of all the ways Vince looks, wonders, and provokes. We talk of inspirations and influences from Peter Hujar to Adam Fuss, from Lillian Bassman to Judith Joy Ross. As graceful and generous as he is in his writing, Vince discusses this first foray of putting himself in the picture. We're glad you're here. I'll introduce by saying my being here with you in your infamous apartment, with your (laughs) enviable archive, with this canon to culture is a testament that dreams can come true. <laughs> Truth. And I think our paths first met when we shared our admiration of photographer and art director, Lillian Bassman. Oh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. And I think we share an opinion of fashion as somewhat of a bellwetter and not a superficial subject. Thank you. That's why I knew you were my kindred spirit. I'm going to say my collection of ephemera on Lillian might come second to your own. So I'm quite the groupie. Uh. But I recall when you were being interviewed and it was at APAD and it was right around the time your seminal publication, Issues, A History of Photography, Fashion Magazines, was being published. And I actually asked then if you would consider (coughs) library hours Or potentially a residency in this apartment. (laughs) Still, I'm gonna bug you for that, because that is what you would need to get through all of what you have here. This, to me, is a treasure trove, and being here amongst this, I call it a visual culture menagerie, (coughs) is my kind of heaven. So my introductions do not focus on my guest's professional career, a listing of accomplishments, awards or job titles. I introduce my guests with an attempt to describe by inference how I see, you see. So I've set myself up for a daunting task to attempt to define how you see, to begin to unpack and contextualize your vision to see how it is formulated and then how you deftly share it because you share it with a global multitude (coughs) on a consistent basis in more than one form over decades so taking this apart is a tall order okay cool you have a beautiful amaryllis
1: Over. Sometimes some drinking water sets Bring it off stuff. a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, mm-hmm. but anyway. All right. There you go. Thank you. Sure.
0: So this is what we're here for. So I'm going to attempt this tall order. I find you an arbiter par excellence of how we as a collective human body see.
2: <clears throat>
0: You're an unassuming legend in your own time. You started your multifaceted career in music and your keen observations and ability to have your ear to the ground, set the stage for your role to talk about what is in store for the arts. You reflect from an informed position of what is current knowledge of the arts. And with a light hand, you tie it to all manner of personal political, and historical realities. You interpret, reflect, ponder, poke fun, marvel, and you suffer few fools. You have lived and worked at at an epicenter of gay rights, social liberation movements, and tectonic shifts in the arts. And your jobs as a writer, curator, critic, and educator, have to witness and translate all this at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I would describe your style as something that I would say is like neo-realism. And that's in part, (laughs) (laughs) bold of me, to try to categorize, but that speaks in part to a naturalism. I would define what you do, how you see, and how you share information as coming from a refined and rarefied vantage point. You are the Bill Cunningham (laughs) (laughs) of photography and art criticism because somehow you manage being in but not of the drama, regardless of celebrity, sound bites, or social media hoopla, you keep your eye, your perspective, and your consequent writing in a very, what I would call a form of, we're in New York, so we've got background noise. Your consequent writing have a gentility. It eschews the intrusion of harsh judgment. It's not that you do not have an opinion or share them, But it's how you formulate them and engage with your seeing and then share them that I am so curious about. I believe it's a humanistic perspective in an often time less than hospitable environment. So today we're going to focus on your latest book, The Drawer. I reviewed the PDF and I'm so pleased that I now have the object And it occurs to me how masterful an object it is, because for me, it started to be analogous to a score of your symphonic knowledge (laughs) of all that feeds the ecosystem of the arts and our collective passions and obsessions. I think individually Mm. and collectively over time and through the cultural sea changes the 20th to the 21st century. I think this book is a sort of autobiography, a visual playlist. Here I think or feel you are putting yourself in the copy and your flat file becomes of what this drawer is made from is an embodiment. It's an actual hard drive. It's what created your working memory and it fuels you, well, it fuels your spontaneous expansive and yet singular perspective. And you've done it mostly in image, but there is sparse text. So in the drawer I see tenderness, care, texture, and soulfulness with a side of subversion, (laughs) mischief, joy, ecstasy, and tragedy. The playful, the profound, the profane pleasure and desire holding space concurrently as this is our human experience (coughs) individually and as a society so now we can talk about Uh, how uh, this came about and where the seed of the drawer started etc
1: it came about really quickly and simply with a meeting with the publisher Bruno Seychelle from self published be happy yep he often comes by when he's in new york and we were having a visit sometime and i guess it was 2019 before covid and and i we were just sort of hanging out i don't remember really what the, we had no agenda.
0: agenda yeah
1: and i happened to open a drawer in a filing cabinet In my living room and I guess I was looking for something I'd recently put in there I'm not sure why I went there but he asked oh what's in there and I started shuffling things around and showing him it was layers and layers of material mostly tear sheets Mm -hmm. mostly lots of stuff from art forum but stuff that I'd had for a long time too so it had lots of layers of Mm -hmm. material and and as I was kind of moving things around, he said, you know, that's maybe we should do something with this. And that's what it is. It just turned into a project. Because what's the book is simply me rearranging the contents of this one drawer seventy-five different times. Excellent. Um so and all it all happened in one afternoon, one long afternoon. Really? With Yeah, a photographer coming here, a woman named Anushala Shaw, who I'd worked with at SVA, who I'd met at SVA as a student in a, a, a photo, fashion photo course that I was working on. Mm-hmm. And we'd stayed in touch, and she had turned a sort of pro and wanted, and was available to come and set up a camera above a drawer that we put on the floor. Mm-hmm. And and just Bruno was here with the art director, and just the four of us went through this whole process, you know, until it was done. Really, it was over. It was all one long afternoon.
0: I am shocked. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you
1: know, it was all. It had to be spontaneous. It was not something that was going to be. You know an arduous yeah, task. it was going to be fun or nothing mm. so and it was really just me trying to just finding a an arrangement that i liked mm-hmm. that was that i hadn't you know i ideally moving everything out of the way covering everything up that had just been revealed but a lot of cases you'll see Repeats
2: exactly things
1: that come up and things that were half covered that right. suddenly are revealed more. So, but it's basically the contents of a single drawer, meaning one of many repositories of <laughs> pictures and objects in my apartment. Mm-hmm. The the drawer is es- essentially one, the one that has the most variety. Mm-hmm. A lot of a number of other drawers are very particular to advertising or editorial, I try to keep, if I don't have a whole magazine, I try to take out a, an editorial story that I want to remember
2: mm-hmm. and
1: hold on to and be able to refer to again. So there are drawers with just that material. Mm-hmm. But this this drawer is basically single, single things, single objects, but from all different Periods all different parts of my life, so
0: yeah, so it's uncategorized Yeah, like the others are yeah, well, what's so funny is as I went through and got familiar with it. I saw the repetition and And that's how I was like Debating how you did do this because I saw that you were using the same tears in certain places and then I thought to myself okay Are you steering every compilation? Do you stop with an arrangement that makes you happy? Are you pulling from more than one place? Honestly, one thing that made me think is that it's a flat file and that, you you know, if you shake a drawer that's got loose tears in it, it was like literally you could have done it like that.
1: Right. You know,
0: I didn't Except I really
1: had to unearth a lot of stuff. So uh, every time I did an arrangement, I put almost all those pictures aside. I took them out and put them away you know, on, on to the side. So
2: yeah.
1: so basically then I was unearthing another layer.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: sometimes that other layer was just all I needed. But usually it was more, you know, moving other things around and and finding things that that gave a certain balance to the arrangement.
0: So I think that's so interesting because I noticed the sparse use of text, but when you did use text, I thought it was
1: intentional. No, I'm not really conscious of using text.
0: Interesting. Okay. (laughs) Except for,
1: you know, when it comes up as a caption or as the identification of a picture.
0: Right, that happens to be on it, whether it's like a this is an exhibition or... It's in the
1: title. An advertisement of some sort, a mm-hmm. a page a page describing, you know, the, the material that's there. But there's very little I mean, the, the text is all captions.
0: Well it, true. And it, mostly
1: there are no captions.
0: <laughs> right. Mostly I mean, the,
1: the pictures, you know, are free of identification in a lot of cases. And I'm I'm leaving it up to the viewer to just deal with it.
0: Well, it's interesting because I, I was looking through and some of the things that I saw as captions, there was one over here that it looked like what well, it was a headline or, or something from a tear, but all that was left was, it said new threat, but you didn't hardly see oh, that. Uh-huh. In another one, and I'm trying to find it right here, <laughs> it said something like, for more trouble, call Oh. And so oh, I was good. like, so I'm glad that you things are, like that
1: float in. They totally do because and they're not there's there's very little intentionality and when it comes to things like that. It's I mean, I'm kind of discovering things as I'm going through it and realizing I mean, a lot of this is very you know, entire entirely intuitive on mm-hmm, my part. Mm-hmm. That's it's the way I put shows together, it's the way I to arrangements on the wall, and sometimes I'm surprised at what, what happens. Sure,
0: the conversation, right? Uh, right. The juxtaposition. So, yeah. it's, you
1: know, it's just, it, it happens, and it's not something that I'm thinking a lot about. Right. It's just, for me, it, it feels like a lucky break that these things do fall together, and sometimes they, the conversation is pretty intense.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's why I think this is a a book that will issue at every view because you're going to see something else. And I also found it really interesting. Well, there's two things I want to say at the same time. Right here, this talks about the Manhattan Review of Unnatural Acts. Oh, right. Right. And it's like, and that's really not, right? You have to look to see it, but there's a lot of very, very interesting.
1: Well, anybody who's familiar with the initials, Mm S-T-H, it stands for Straight to Hell. And it was the name of a a publication that came out, you know, mostly in the, I'm not really sure the dates of it, Mm -hmm. but it was done by a guy named Boyd MacDonald, a kind of cranky old guy (laughs) who gathered letters from readers about their true sexual experiences Mm -hmm. and published them in a small sort of chapbook that became a cult thing. And then it became, it was anthologized in various ways, And but it was really raunchy, really funny, really clever, and very much a, from a point of view that gathered what seemed to me legitimately real experiences from people who wrote in and wanted to share them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, and he called it Straight to Hell.
0: Straight to Hell. So, I did not know that reference. <laughs> uh, right. I'm happy to know that <laughs> so, reference.
1: So, and this was this image that you're looking at it, mm-hmm. it's a postcard announcement for a club party that Straight to Hell had occasionally at various clubs in New York. Wow, that is super. Well, so, I'll that say... was a, an, an announcement for that event. Mm-hmm. A lot of what's in here are announcements for things that happened at one point, often gallery announcements, party, you know, announcements of parties, and Mm -hmm. different kinds of events in New York.
0: And then, so I love how you said something about it's either fun or nothing. When you were doing this, did you think about your audience?
1: No, not a lot, I have to say. Mm. It was so... It it isn't until recently that I started thinking how much I've revealed within this <laughs> this range of pictures, and uh, just because I started thinking about my sisters, and and you know just people who know me mm-hmm. but don't necessarily know well no one knows all these things, mm-hmm. and uh, and so. It is, there's a lot in here that, I, that I'm that i telling people without telling them. Eggs. And and I hadn't, it wasn't, if I had to stop and think about that while I was doing it, it wouldn't have happened.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It was not, it was totally unselfconscious. It was just mm-hmm. putting a lot of pictures together that I held on to for a long time mm-hmm. or gotten the week before. Yeah. It's a whole range of materials sure. that, that for one reason or another, I thought, looked good together.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and it does. It goes to the, I've seen stuff in here from the 1960s up until, you know, 2021, really. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think it is, it's why I thought of it. Well, it certainly hit me, obviously, as autobiographical, Yeah. but without any instruction, obviously. It did not feel forced at all. It felt... Like I mentioned, how else can you make a matrix of all the things that have brought you to the kind of perspective you're able to uh, have?
1: And if I, I couldn't have written this.
0: Exactly. There's no words. There's
1: not, yeah, it's not <laughs> about you know yeah. putting ideas together. Mm-mm. It's about putting pictures together that, you know, I can't say it sums me up, Because Mm -hmm. there's a whole lot more. But this is a a beginning of, you know, it it is a private diary. Mm -hmm. that You know, that's basically opening a drawer, inviting people in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, you know, in a way, it's the same way. If you're walking into my apartment, you you know a lot more me than you did before you came here, just because of everything that's here and everything that's piled up and everything that's on the wall It's this is another kind of, you know, revelation that I'm you know, constantly making
2: mm-hmm. and
1: revising and, and deepening in various ways, I hope mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the book is just one way to put a lot of things out into the world but things that I I think are I want people to look at, too, that I, you know, that may not have been, that some of which are going to be known mm-hmm. to a lot of people, some of which are, are people can identify that I probably can't even identify, mm-hmm. um, but but it's the context altogether that I'm, you know, kind of interested and in, and. In, giving to people
0: actually I think it's a gift because you are giving context and you are pushing people to realize the layers that need to be taken into account Mm. that so often don't so it's like it's metaphorically what you already do I think. Oh Well, that's,
1: okay. Thank you.
0: Well, it's, I mean, that's how I experienced it. It is it, it, you know, here I am wanting to interview to understand you and how you see and do what you do. And, and as I described, you do it in a way that you are, are in, but not of. And, and I find that, a challenging place to be and it's it it's a generative place and this is generative it's generative in 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 letting us know that any singular vision or singular story or even singular field whether it's writing or visual or arts or music can actually give the whole story
1: oh uh, right? right and uh, that the
0: story is always moving
1: yeah and that it's always I mean there are so many layers This for me because it's, it's also constantly referring, to, all kinds of things that I'm interested in, to music and yeah and you know various, aspects of the arts that I that I don't write about right that are you know still inform the way I think Mm -hmm. and what I look at and I don't write about painting but there's a lot of painting in here yeah anyway it's just well uh, which
0: is very cool and again that is something that is instructive right is to say to someone if you're a photographer your photography making is you know if you listed the ingredients it's not all other photographs it's all these other things Mm -hmm. and i think getting people to think about all that intersectionality is so important and it's interesting i was thinking about this but you know There's a lot of discussion about what is photography and all these different ways. I mean, you have Susan Sontag in here more than once, and we know that there are multiple ways of attempting to describe this field and phenomenon. And one of the ways in which I wondered, from your perspective, the role... It's interesting. Like, right now, there is an exhibition at the CO gallery in Berlin on queerness. And it's oh. it's in three different categories or three different ways of looking. And what I'm thinking about is this idea that the magazine culture and fashion that I referenced before, that I know you and I both see for uh, the historical significant, uh, really, explanation of who we are is uh, that that whole magazine culture. Lillian Bassman was in it. We were we all grew up with it to some extent. Right. Fed gender representation. Fed very specific ways of seeing, thinking, being, almost what is an inside uh, or an outside, what is subversive.
1: Uh, well and yeah, I mean I think a lot of people only read that as dictatorial. Mm-hmm. That this is the way, you should be, mm-hmm. and you know, and to some degree, that is what Vogue wanted to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They were yeah. they really did want to tell us, tell women what Autocratic. to wear,
0: yeah,
1: and how to how to wear it. And but they were also, I mean, all the best magazines, from my point of view, were also always looking at the subversive side of of the arts and culture, mm-hmm. and trying to. Cover that to some degree, so there was always some other point of view going on. And oh, God, that's all right. <laughs> it's
0: bringing me home. Yeah, right. I totally get it.
1: <laughs> uh, so I and I because I didn't. I don't know. I, I always I never felt that that this was a kind of binding representation mm-hmm. in in the fashion magazines and. But obviously a lot of people responded to it in a way that they felt coerced by it. Mm-hmm. And I can understand that, but I think in the end, it was a lot more open than that. And certainly as, as tastes and, and other things changed, they haven't been, they've been really, really open, Most especially mm-hmm. the European fashion magazines. Mm-hmm to all kinds of gender representation and blurring.
0: Absolutely, well, it it is interesting. I'm thinking two things at the same time. One is that the the magazine culture, whether it was advertising or fashion or editorial, so I could say the fashion world and then say the advertising world and saying the editorial world, Uh was fed by photography.
1: And, uh, yeah, defined by photography in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, and then it is also photography is also dismantling. So it's an. So I'm just trying mm-hmm. to bring yeah. that up to say, like, interesting, right? How?
1: Well, it was, I mean, especially people like Guy Bourdin and Helmut Newton to a mm-hmm. great degree. They really were undermining the narrative mm-hmm. that had started before. I mean, there. You know, there, this was not horsed and beaten anymore. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, and that was, you know, it was the major magazines that were putting those images across mm-hmm. and kind of subverting their own histories, mm-hmm. which I think was really Interesting. valuable. Interesting, yes. that uh, they weren't just sticking to, they knew that things had to move on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that they, and one way to do that was to, was through photography.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And
1: that's why, when I did issues, I was very conscious of all that, because my point in that book was not, not just to write about fashion photography, but to write about the importance of photography in fashion magazines. Yes. Then how many of them, especially the most sophisticated, used other photography and other photographers to expand the idea of what... Know, what was going on in the world, for one thing, but also how people looked and how people dressed.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so there was, you know, Lisa Model and, and Harper's Bazaar mm-hmm. photographing people on the street. Mm-hmm. And and I think there, there was always this consciousness at most of the sophisticated magazines that there was a world out there that they weren't covering this in the photography studios mm-hmm. and that it was important for them to to pay attention to that oh, exactly. especially I mean, i think i mean it's obvious but during the second world war all those magazines had to adjust seriously mm-hmm. to the new role of women mm-hmm. in the workplace and in the world and and how much the war had affected every aspect of their lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, these were magazines for rich people, for the most part, mm-hmm. and they realized that even rich people were having to deal with <laughs> a <laughs> lot no of protection. things that they that mm-hmm. they weren't quite ready for, mm-hmm. and the magazines really had to reflect all those things. Mm-hmm. And I think you know that kind of level of attention and the. The realism that had to affect what they did month by month, it it really affected everything after that. It couldn't go back to this kind of, you know, blase attitude toward mm-hmm. clothing and and the society and all of that. Mm-hmm. There had to be a lot more realistic takes on on the way people lived, and so I mean, and you know things changed pretty rapidly in the 50s and 60s. Mm. And that was all reflected in the magazines. And they, if they hadn't done that, they would have had to, they just would have shriveled up and died.
0: Yep.
1: yep. Was, they but, were very conscious of reflecting, you know, the a good part of the world, even though it's mostly parties. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm thinking about the idea of, they were the crack in the wall on some level, because it's a kind of chicken and the egg thing, right? They're... They're bringing in these larger issues or I should say not putting on blinders to it right and and that that's what I think is so interesting and so challenging is that the the role of photography and the role of our visual culture is so sticky because we're in it and of it And you can't like see where the influence stops or what is the thing that that changed necessarily.
1: Oh, yeah. It's very gradual and very
0: Yeah uh, and
1: not particularly obvious.
0: No, kind of amorphous. Like you're talking about what happened with the fashion magazines after the war and then looking at the trajectory of that to where we are now, where a lot of the magazines are, are are Things have changed out of the print and the magazine world into a whole other. We've got another seismic shift, no. you know, that we're trying to grapple. We are trying to grapple with. So how no. how would you say, because there are these big shifts, how did you stay grounded and still pivot? Because you've been a part of the magazine culture. And then you've moved through all the layers. Uh, that-
1: I'm not sure how to answer that. Because, you know, I, I write mostly about things outside of magazines. Mm-hmm. I still, I write sometimes for magazines. Correct. But I don't write about magazines themselves. No, no, no. Very much yeah. anymore.
0: Yep, um, yep.
1: And so I'm mostly reviewing things that exist in, a, in the form of a book or an exhibition or things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and the magazine culture is something that I'm very conscious of, but rarely... Analyze in that same way,
2: mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
1: so I don't don't get a chance to as often as I'd like to. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm not sure how to answer that question. I don't feel like I've paid as much attention in print as I do, you know, thinking about these things. Interesting. I don't know. I mean, I do. I do think a lot about magazines because I'm constantly getting new issues mm-hmm. and old issues and, <laughs> and thinking, you know, looking at them all simultaneously. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I haven't written about that very much.
0: No, but I guess what I'm asking is, <clears throat> you know, your history at, you were in magazines, like when you ran the Village Voice, you've dipped into when you had a column at Italian Vogue. Uh-huh. What I'm saying is you. it's as if your career is is building something as the very foundation is changing. So you were in periodicals or yeah, you were in uh, a, a weekly kind of thing. Then when that stopped, you moved to something else. And what I'm saying is the platform oh, for what you're doing keeps changing, but I still hear your voice as a through thread.
1: Oh, thank you. You're welcome. No, it's just, I mean, I love being in... You know, in print,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, it's and I missed. You know, whenever there was a break between one thing and another, it was really wrenching.
0: Mm-hmm. I bet.
1: And um, so it's been, you know, I've been lucky to be able to move from one platform to another as something changes or the Italian Vogue column was so much fun to do. Oh my God. This is not a fashion photograph.
0: I I was so excited about that.
1: (laughs) But uh, you know, once that was over, which was really just, you know, like a little more than a year ago now, Mm -hmm. I was glad that the New Yorker online opened up again for me. So I missed that column because it was so much fun to think about. I mean, it gave me a way to think about photography it was not about fashion, but that related to, for me, opened up the idea of a fashion picture.
2: Mm-hmm. That
1: people, you know, if you look at this picture from a fashion point of view, you can see how it works as a fashion photo. Mm-hmm. And it was not taken with that in, in mind at all, but it was. It, it's exactly the sort of material that I think most young fashion photographers are most... Affected by and interested in, mm-hmm. they're not looking at Avedon or Beaton or, or any of the sort of classic fashion. They're looking at reportage mm-hmm. and all kinds mm-hmm. of other material, that seems more down to earth mm-hmm. and not as stylized. And you know they can take take it, however they want. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was, that was a, a really fun project to, see through month by month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but it's I'm always looking for some way to mostly cover what's going on mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. either you know however however photography appears in exhibitions or in print or in you know in magazines or in books it's I always want to keep thinking about that mm-hmm Mhm.
0: Well, I think that's what is the rarefied view that I pick up that you have oh. because you are coming to the medium from so many different places. You know, your your that's why I was trying to say expansive and singular. Oh. This idea that there's so much to say about visual culture.
1: Yes, yeah. And there's always I mean, one of the things that was most fun for me being at the Village Voice was that there were no restrictions. There, we could kind of do what we wanted to, mm. follow our instincts and write about stuff that was not, not exactly what we were hired to do. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So I could write about ad campaigns. Mm -hmm. I could write about a poster campaign on the street. And that's something I kind of miss. And there's not as much of that that's exciting right now anyway. But at the time, I felt there was a long period when advertising was really driving editorial. Absolutely. And, And much more creative and much more edgy than a lot of editorial was at the time. And I think advertising did push editorial to get more... You know, stronger and and more, oh, edgy is Yeah, know, I was going to
0: say fun and edgy, and frankly, I'd say the, the. Yeah, like I'm just going into. You know Tim Walker, and thinking about like people just really, isn't it interesting? He again was being fantastical and phantasmagorical, but it isn't without a taste of some of the other social issues or political issues. Right, and so it's it's that is what I'm constantly thinking (laughs) about, and it is this chicken and egg, right? Of how we're each thing is influencing each other.
1: Well, and as long as the Photographers are thoughtful about what they do. I think all that will, you know They're always looking for something to respond to and a lot of times that's You know things in the world that they're by mm-hmm
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: And, and that we're in a sense we're all provoked by and and they can comment on it in their own way Mm-hmm.
0: Have you ever been compelled to make photographs
1: no no i took you know when i i used to have a polaroid camera and i'm sorry i haven't yet bought the new versions but i that was as far as it went polaroids at parties so and you know it's partly because i'm so conscious of what i can't do and would not attempt to do so it's fine it's fine i don't need to take pictures
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so in terms of how you read photographs, you just mention it when you're saying I, I'm aware of what I can't do. I'm thinking that, from what I understand, you, when you move from music, covering music to covering, photography, you really, dove into photography, and and you somewhere. I was reading where you were you were following people that at the time were pushing, but like and this was a few decades ago, but with Daoud Bey with oh. Carrie like Mae Weems, like you were you were not trying to be with the then heavy hitters as much as the people provoking were starting, and pushing.
1: Yeah. Well in in some ways that was protective self protective mm-hmm. because I Was just really getting started Mm -hmm. in terms of you know I was writing mostly very brief reviews of exhibitions Mm -hmm. for the Village Voice, Mm -hmm. and when I wanted to get a little go a little further than that, I wasn't comfortable in doing longer exhibition reviews. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to I wanted to find out more about the photographers who were making pictures I was interested in. And I knew that I couldn't just come out and start writing about Walker Evans or Stephen Shore or people who had been established for a long time, that I I didn't have the background at that point to even begin something like that. Mm -hmm. So I started writing about people who were having their first or second shows Mm -hmm. and whose work intrigued me who were clearly, for me, important, but who, you know, were new and didn't Mm -hmm. have a long history of other reviews or, you know, other shows even. So it it gave me, it was in a way, it was a protective thing that I I didn't have to go back and read every book about Walker (laughs) Evans in order to write about Dawood Bay. And it wasn't like I didn't look at all the stuff, you know, that was out there, but I was basically dealing with one career. And I wanted to, because I was, I mean, this also, also a lot of this comes from being friendly with Peter Hujar, who was a good friend and a close mm-hmm. friend and whose career I was very conscious of. Mm-hmm. And I knew that photography was a job and not necessarily an easy one,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it was not easy to make a living. It wasn't easy to, to get shows. It was something that you really had to work at. And, and how did you do that? Why? Why do? You, why are you doing this? What are you, what what are you, making these pictures for? Mm. I was really interested in people's, in the lives that people brought to photography, and and how, you know how they did what they did, what they do, at the point. Mm. I was really, I wanted to know how they made a life in photography. Mm. So it became a you know. What I wrote at those points were full-page profiles, critical profiles Mm -hmm. of people whose whose work interested me, Mm -hmm. and luckily, who all of whom were really articulate about what they what they did.
2: Mm -hmm. So
1: I was really you know fascinated. Judith Joy Ross was one of the first people I wrote about. I love what Um, you wrote about her. There's just Mm -hmm. so much. There were all these people who were just fascinating to me, and who you had you know who i thought were making amazing work and but who were just just getting started mm-hmm. and and it was really interesting to me to see them at that point mm-hmm. and to you know talk about how they got there
0: well that's so interesting because that's it's i knew that i shared sensibilities <laughs> with you no. but i thought it had that fashion component but actually this is the second layer is that idea of the curiosity I put it in my language how a photographer sees how someone sees right and and that is the same kernel of curiosity that gets you as excited right exactly yeah
1: no mm-hmm. because yeah where do they where did they get that where did where where are they coming from mm-hmm. essentially mm-hmm. I mean, fossil chic was another photographer i spoke to really early on who's that basil Sheik.
0: oh i don't okay yeah
1: he's done Mm -hmm. quite a lot of books and was photographing in africa when i first met him and spoke Mm -hmm. to him Mm
2: -hmm.
1: he'd done a whole project in kenya among refugees in kenya that was one of the most soulful and human series of pictures that, that could, either, you know, typically be seen as photojournalism, but mm-hmm. were really very personal mm-hmm. and had a whole other layer of intensity. I mean, I think he's really one of, the, one of the, a very interesting photographer who still has a very lively career.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting that, yeah, it's just fascinating to me because it, it, that is an insight for me this idea of of your curiosity but what i feel like i have made the connection with is the soulfulness that you honor is and i love that you brought up peter because obviously i know that is a very foundational relationship to how you see yeah, true. and then this idea that it is that empathy, the empathy and the compassion that you felt, experienced, witnessed, uh-huh. is what you bring to these other uh-huh. people's
1: pursuits. Well no, thank you. I mean, it's what I always look for. I look for photographers who, who are, you know, want to make a connection in their work with their subjects in one way or another. Mm-hmm. This is not some... Casual pursuit.
2: Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm.
1: an intensity to all the work that I most value. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So even when it's someone like Adolfus, who's you know mm-hmm. work is not portraiture mm-hmm. at, at, for the most part, and yep. the anyway, like, you know, I just think there's so many great photographers out there who are approaching the medium.
0: Absolutely. From so many different in points. So of view. many different ways. I actually spoke to Adam. <laughs> uh, we were trying to see if we could connect a Paris photo, but he's another person that that really caught my eye and that I've followed for a while and super varied in terms of the ways in which he approaches right. the medium. And okay, so a big puzzle piece is coming into oh. <laughs> into place for me because that. I'm curious about two things. I need to go back and I need to go forward. Okay. One is something about when you mentioned <clears throat> subversion and the need to to always bring that into the picture.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Where do you think that came from
1: for you? That's a good question because I can't really... It's, it's wanting to mess with the status quo. Mm-hmm. Because so many of the people, writers, artists, filmmakers, that I most admire are constantly doing that, constantly questioning where we are and why we're here. <laughs> uh, yep. and, all, and trying to, you know, upset things in various ways. I'm not an upsetter, but I admire the people who do
2: mm-hmm. and who
1: have the you know, fortitude to do it and who know how to get their ideas across. So so it's all that, it's really like early on, I was completely, as a teenager, mm-hmm. like caught up with the beats and, <laughs> and that whole movement. And yeah. So it's like you can't go from that to, you know, anywhere that's kind of normal or usual. So um,
0: what is it, Wonder Bread, or back to like, <laughs> right. yeah.
1: So, and then, Milk you toast. know, and it's essentially growing up gay, mm-hmm. I think always puts you in a kind of a, adverse relationship to the larger society and looking at it from a kind of skeptical point of view. Mm-hmm. So it was that sense of skepticism and, and wanting to, you know, fuck it up in one way or another, mm. or at least admiring people who did. Uh, <laughs> Mm -hmm. so that's that has a lot to to do with my continuing interest in you know people like Stephen Klein
2: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: and you know and filmmakers who who really are always pushing the boundaries Mm -hmm. so it's it's that it's all that Mm -hmm.
0: that's so interesting what was funny because I was thinking of going backwards and forwards at the same time and wondering i guess where you feel we are now like
1: that's a hard thing to because we're not we're not in any one place mm-hmm. don't you think i mean i agree there's just no way to define no, yeah
0: exactly we're
1: not in any particular single place we're all over the place mm-hmm. and uh, i mean and it's so obvious that there's some people who are nowhere near where we are mm-hmm. in terms of thinking about the world—it's mm-hmm. a little more alarming than it's ever been.
0: Yeah, that's
1: uh, true. So it's hard to make any kind of general generalizations mm-hmm. about where we are or what we're thinking. Or mm-hmm. I could you know, talk about what I'm interested in and what I'm looking at. But, you know, that's why the book is interesting. To the drawer book is interesting for me mm-hmm. to bring out at this point because it does, kind of sum up something about my way of looking and thinking about the world Mm -hmm. and it is you know full of subversive moments Mm -hmm. as there's no way it couldn't be for for me Mm -hmm. and some of that is just what put next to one another
2: Mm -hmm.
1: not necessarily the pictures themselves but it's the context that i'm kind of undermining a lot of things but for me that's undermining is is what makes things exciting. Absolutely.
0: But what's so funny is undermining you are and, frankly, fucking up any ability to stay in pure categorization. Because that's, sorry, yeah. but that's yeah. bullshit. No, so, yeah. right? Like, let's keep agitating that. Yeah.
1: and let's keep, you know, seeing how everything fits together anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I find it, you know, all the different lines of categories that we've, you know inherited mostly are just not particularly useful anymore mm-hmm. and and the drawer I think you know is one way for me to show that I've never really paid much attention to that
2: mm-hmm. whenever I've
1: done exhibitions they have always been across genres across mm-hmm. periods across styles of all different sorts
2: mm-hmm. and
1: that's what really interests me I couldn't you know I'd feel dead if I was just dealing with one, Period mm-hmm. or one, you know, approach. And I think you know most artists. I think are always looking for. I don't know the, the range, the, you know, the, the, everything else that there. That influences them. I don't know. putting that very well, but I do think that that people who really interest me are, are not tied down to one way of looking
0: mm-hmm. that's perfect right not tied down to one way of looking yep wow well, this is such a pleasure and such a treat and really an honor
1: thank you <laughs>
0: totally because i really do try to understand how someone else sees and thinks and this has really been helpful for me to really pick apart those places because many of the things that are the impetus for you are certainly the impetus for me and and I'd have to say that can be you know not a crowded space (laughs) (laughs) when you get that kind of community feel or I felt it last night at Dashwood right it's, oh, that's
1: nice. Thank you.
0: Oh, totally. Uh, it was there was I came early, and there was already energy,
1: right? Uh, it was
0: just that's that kindred spirit
1: uh, place. Yeah, well, I'm so glad it happened at Dash. The signing happened at Dashwood because I always like being there. It's, it's a, just the being surrounded by all the, the books. Uh, and yeah. Every so much new stuff I haven't seen yet. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Lots of stimulation.
0: Totally. I have to ask you one last question, just yeah. because I'm a little of a Bart girl. Where do you weigh in on semiotics or thinking about?
1: I don't. You don't. I don't. I really, I don't read theory. I read, mm-hmm. I really don't know very much about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, I'm ignorant of a lot of theory, and I'm. I. But I'm also kind of uh, allergic. To it.
0: <laughs> well, okay. Because
1: I partly because when I read critics who are who are very theory bound, mm-hmm. I just I just am not interested.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I... I feel
1: like more, you know what are you really saying? Mm-hmm. This has to be there has to be a way to say this in a way that convinces me you you actually have an argument and yeah. are not just. Throwing words around, I just have a real problem with with sort of theoretic theoretical art and art that's based on ideas rather than what they're you know what we're seeing. Got it. Yeah, I have. I mean, and I I I need to you know know more about what I'm not paying attention to, mm-hmm. but at the same time. I'm pretty busy.
0: Absolutely. Well, and here's what I'm thinking because that made me think of two things at the same time. Is this idea that theoretical speak gets so esoteric, and it's like that experience of when you're standing at reading something on a on a wall caption or whatever, and you're cross-eyed and saying like, "I'm not walking with the thesaurus. I don't know what the hell you're trying to uh, say here." There's that kind of thing. Right. But then there's this idea of like. I think you are tilling the semiotic landscape without a heavy philosophical or theoretical hand. Oh.
1: Okay, well, I'll accept that. <laughs> but Whatever that means. It,
0: it, it means that you're not talking in theory, but you are talking about the emotional impact. You're talking about the something beyond words, the soulful connection that can happen between a viewer uh, and an image.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's always what I am trying to articulate. Me uh, too, <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, it's what I feel like, that's all the only thing I feel really confident in writing about is my particular response to something,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: hopefully, mm-hmm. other people will you know understand that or relate to it or take something mm-hmm. away from it mm-hmm. because I'm I just feel like I can't if a, an artist is not connecting with me on some level that's you know both intellectual and sensual, mm-hmm. then I don't, I don't know where to go. And I mean, too often, like you said, the, the wall labels are such gobbledygook. And, and it's not a lot of, I think a lot of artists think they're doing something that they're not actually <laughs> pulling off. <laughs> they, you know They have yeah. a lot of ideas behind yeah. it, yeah. but it's not working. Mm-hmm. At least' it's certainly not working for me mm-hmm. and a lot of i mean i I just react against art and photography that's driven by an idea that's not actually in the piece
2: mm-hmm. if mm-hmm.
1: you have to explain it to me that's a problem i have to, i wanna if you're not making me want to know <laughs> what's going on mm-hmm. then that's a problem so because I, I think there's There's way too much work that's that's only driven by ideas and but actually has like very little content and doesn't because the artist doesn't know quite how to get their idea into a form that we can understand or relate to. Anyway, that's that's, that's, you know, one of my grants
0: yep well i hear it but i think that you are as i said stirring the pot of punctum without necessarily you know admitting to it realizing it thinking about it like that just like you said that this was a spontaneous effort and not a self-conscious one i
1: mean with the drawer with the drawer uh-huh.
0: i feel that's the same that you're 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 true to your vision And way of giving us this information because it is that, in my mind, circularity between I think that the artist who is in touch with that connection to their work imbues it, and that is what we connect with as the viewer, and we're in a circular Uh relationship. Ideally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so that's what I'm following, and yeah, so more ways than one and then i just have to figure out how you're going to let me in here for like i don't know a month or two <laughs> <laughs> that will that will get me to start <laughs> right unbelievable so thank you so oh, much i'm sure thanks I for wanting so, to do this so appreciate it and thank you for doing this i i think it is it is fun and it is <laughs> instructive and there's this it's definitely subversive. I, I got it, and it's also there's a seriousness to it. Oh, I think a serious. Well, seriousness. no, I'm glad
1: because like there was a review that came up online last night that just thought, is he really talking about me? Do I, do I really? Am I really doing this? It's like it was. I was kind of astonished that somebody saw so much in this project that feels so offhand to me
0: interesting that must be hard well here's the thing you put yourself in it right and now you're going to get these reactions from wherever uh, which is obviously going to be more about them than you frankly well, no i mean this was
1: actually one of the nicest reviews i've ever had oh good no i was not complaining in yeah, any yeah. way yeah but it was describing somebody that i'm I'm not sure I live up to.
0: <laughs> oh, I see. Well, that's what I mean. You do. I've got to see that review. That's how I started. You are an unassuming authority. So, And you are oh, a legend. You. you are. And you don't know it, and you're not, not that you don't know it, you don't feed off of it, and it's not what got you where you are, but absolutely. No. So I'm probably going to be in full agreement with that <laughs> review whenever I get to see it. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what's so, you know, that's just the icing on the cake because it's so pleasing that, yeah, yeah. Well, what I, the seriousness I think of here, what I am referring to, is the idea of that multifaceted view of not one story and to know that these things abut each other, that there is, you know, fashion and there is war. You know, there uh, are pandemics uh, and there are parties. Like that and yeah. and how we're all in it together uh, and how oh, hard good. it is to describe because we are both witnessing it, uh, experiencing it, and trying to understand uh,
1: it all at the same
0: time. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So again, here you are, being unassuming uh, about the impact. Well,
1: thank you. <laughs> no, it's partly because, so, you know, as I've been showing it to people or sitting with people looking at it, I'm, I'm looking at it again from another point of view, mm-hmm. from, from kind of outside, um, and mainly realizing that, you know, again, as I said before, I'm revealing a lot more here than I, than I was conscious of doing. Except I, if I had stopped and thought about it, I wouldn't have done it.
0: Exactly. I am so, so <laughs> glad because it was kind of caught you off guard there, you know. or Yeah. With, yeah well, that's especially
1: because, you know, I did one, as soon as one was on the computer and the, the lighting was approved, I did another. Wow. So it, was, it needed to be done quickly, spontaneously, and, you know, in a day, I did. It was not. I still not can't
0: believe it's a day. I can't.
1: <laughs> it was I, less than a day. <laughs> that is unbelievable. I mean, the only thing we did have to go back and do some reshoots because of permissions problems. Well, I thought about that. Yeah, really. but we only, you know, I did another. We had to drop twenty-five pages, and so we did because twenty-five of reshoots. Permission. Yeah. Gotcha. But the, some of the, but I was fine in the end because. Yeah. Some of the reshoots are my favorite pages.
0: Awesome. I was going to ask you what your favorite is. But yeah,
1: that's all over.
0: I be- well, it yeah. must change too.
1: Yeah. No, it's true. It's like, right? I'm very happy with it. I'm glad it exists. I'm glad that Bruno pulled it off. Because after, <laughs> after that initial conversation, we had COVID. And I thought, oh, this is, you know, we're never going to pick this project up. Mm-hmm. It's never going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I really didn't imagine that it was going to come back come to fruition but but bruno said yeah no let's do it i won't. i'm still thinking about it
0: so exciting because <laughs> yeah, i have right. that i collage i love to collage well thank you so much again i really appreciate this time and thank and you your, your wisdom your
1: attention
0: Thank you for listening to Got Punctum. We really enjoy hearing your reviews, and we appreciate when you take the time to rate, subscribe, and follow our podcast. I'd like to share a recent review, the title being deeply insightful and compelling. This podcast is for anyone who is interested in the power of photography and what it can do to change our lives and society. J. Sibylla Smith interviews people who are deeply involved in photography, those who are using the medium as a means to better understand the human condition. What better than to pair with Smith, who asks the most insightful and penetrating questions? Sib's commitment to the photographic language is palpable. She is a great questioner, and each episode is entertaining and enlightening. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that and would love to hear from more of you.